if you and I uh, had the opportunity to talk to Sondheim and said, is there any religious significance to Sunday? He'd probably tell us to bugger off. This is the Gospel of Musical Theater, a priestly look at some of your favorite musicals with your hosts, Cathedral Deans and Musical Theater Queens, Nathan LaRude and Peter Elliott. This is the Gospel and Musical Theater. I'm Peter and Nathan is on the other end of a Zoom screen for me or whatever Zoom screens are. Yeah. Hey, Peter. How are you? I'm great. And today we're going to talk about Sunday in the Park with George, Stephen Sondheim. And I realized the other day in all of our conversations and teaching on gospel and musical theater, you and I have never actually talked about Sunday in the Park with George. We haven't taught it. It hasn't been on any of our curricula. That's right. I know. the first time. I know that talking with you about, I mean, I, I mean, it was always sort of, you know, we would talk, oh yeah, Sondheim, Sunday. And then you would say, well, and then of course, Sunday, which my, and then my <laughs> sense is, and tell actually, and so I'm, I'm actually really interested, like what, tell me about the first yeah. time that you encountered this material. Cause my sense is you had a little bit of a conversion experience of a kind. Um, encountering yeah, I think that's really good. Mm-hmm. Sunday in the Park with George. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking about that the other day. It was, uh, and I, I know exactly the story uh, for me, and then we'll talk about the, the, the production. But so it was after a uh, breakup with a fairly long-term partner, I went to visit friends in, uh, in Belgium. They lived in Brussels. Uh, we met in London and uh, drove their Belgian car to the ferry and uh, got to Brussels, had a fabulous time, met friends of theirs who were absolutely uh, crazy about Stephen Sondheim. And that uh, I was sort of aware of Sondheim in the background, but it never really been all that. uh, I'd never really engaged his material all that much. And they said, there's this new show called Sunday and so forth. And by the way, it's on at the National Theatre in London. And I said, oh, I'm going back to London before I return to Toronto in those days. And uh, uh, so long story short, got up to, tr- up to London, National Theatre, my last night there, I scored a ticket, front row, and you do not want to be in the front row for Sunny in the Park with George, mm-hmm. because visually it's so big. Um, I mean, and now I know why there was a seat in the front row, because right. nobody wanted to sit there, but I didn't care. And it unfolded as a really beautiful production. And and I fell in love with the show there. And, you know, so much of, I don't know about your experience, my experience, so much of when I connect emotionally with a piece of theater, a piece of musical theater uh, has to do with my own frame of mind at sure. that time. The, as we would say in biblical studies, uh, my sits in Laban, mm-hmm. my situation in life. So I think I was ready to behold Stephen Sondheim. I was wowed by the simple but profound spectacle of recreating this painting on stage. And then the whole second act, which is kind of problematic, and it's problematic in Sunday as it's kind of problematic and kind of wonderful also in Into the Woods, which we'll talk about soon, and the, the whole sense of moving on, that sense. So it caught me just at the right moment and was the night before I flew back, hmm. National Theatre in London, a perfect spring night, hmm. having had a wonderful time with friends, 
being ready to begin what turned out on my return to a very new life. Uh, so it was just, yeah, perfect. Yeah. It hit you in the right, yeah. in the right moment, didn't it? Yeah. It hit me in the right and, moment. And reflect, it, it sounds like right it reflected something back to you about who you were. I'm going to, I'm going to extrapolate here. Tell me as a, as a person, uh, in some ways, studying the park with George is about a breakup. It, that, that is, I mean, and then, and then at the end, and then also the second, you know, but two people who don't ever really break up kind of almost right. in a mystical kind of way down through the, and, and, and then in a slightly incestuous way, I suppose, also down through the generations, but like the, the kind of ongoing effects of that. Um, and my, my sense or my guess is you also connected with something in Sunday about what it is to be, we might say an artist, um, yes. but for you, right, a, a priest, a pastor, a preacher, um, something yes. about children and art resonated yes. with you. Yeah. And Sunday. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's the anthem and let's not talk about it too soon because mm -hmm. it's worth getting there. The journey is worth getting there. But uh, uh, the the song is uh, so evocative. I mean, it, it's, it was no surprise to me that after Stephen Sondheim's death, when uh, musical theater community gathered in Times Square in New York to do a tribute to him. The song that they chose was Sunday. Yeah. At the end of his 80th birthday, when all the actors in Carnegie Hall, I think it was, came up on the stage, yeah, they sang that. Sunday. Mm -hmm. And they uh, surrounded the just, audience, didn't they? They were like uh, everywhere. Yeah, that's a powerful, that's a powerful moment. Yeah. And it's such a spine tingling. It's an electric moment is what one of uh, uh, but let's let's back up before we get too far into it. So his 11th uh, Broadway musical, his first collaboration with James Lapine, really uh, a critical failure in a number of ways. Uh, critics either loved it or hated it. Frank Rich in The New York Times loved it. Mm -hmm. Other folks just couldn't quite get it. And it didn't really make back its money. Right. I think it made lost back money. half of its money, yeah. lost money. It was nominated for nine Tony Awards, but that was the year Lacajo Full came out and Jerry Herman took home everything for that show. 1984, um, that show, does that sound disparaging? <laughs> I don't mean it to sound disparaging. We saw a revival of Lacajo Full on Broadway a few years ago. It was, it was yeah, great. Yeah, you can't, yeah. yeah. Queer, queer people cannot disparage Lacajo Full. We, we, uh, we stand on those. Whatever we happen to think yeah. about Jerry Herman and Lacaja Full, of course, we pay we pay homage. But yes, homage. Um, yes. Ironic and and unfortunate. Those two shows were up against one another. That's a little unfair to both. That's unfair. And in 1984, the world of AIDS was. Yeah. Uh, people were. Uh, I mean, that's a year when there's just lots of friends who were dying and so forth, and and the affirmation of life that Lacaja Full brought. Yeah. to the Broadway stage and therefore slowly into the mainstream. I often think, you know, Broadway's a kind of narrow stream or was, and, and when, when, when things happen there, then it kind of spreads across North American culture. Mm -hmm. So it was an important piece. So yay, La Cage Full. But boo that Sunday didn't get more recognition at the Tonys right. uh, as it should have. But what are you going to do when you have a play that is really about a painting, a mm -hmm. musical that's about a How unusual is this as subject material? Yeah. And when Sondheim talks about it, part of it was working with James Lapine, who was very much into, I'm, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see me, experimental theater. Right. Um, 
very different sort of, as different from Hell Prince, as you can imagine. Hell Prince being the master of Broadway productions that succeed. And with Merrily We Roll Along, a flop, uh, Prince Sondheim went their separate ways. Mm-hmm. And, and Sondheim this... was really kind of ready to give up on musical theater entirely, wasn't he? He was going to go make video games. Yeah. And, and write mystery novels. Absolutely. Yeah. And he met this somewhat introverted art historian, photographer, come musical, mus- come theater guy. Yeah. And they started talking. And I think it was Lapine's idea, if I've got the story right to look at the uh, doing a, a musical about George Surratt's um, Sunday on the Isle of Grand Jet, this amazing piece. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw it. When we well, we were, I was or, saying, we, uh, were, we were at the Art Institute together a couple of years right. ago for the Dean's Conference. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't think we were, we saw it at the same time. Was, was that your first time to see it in person? Or had you been? I saw it at the Dean's Conference. At the Dean's Conference. Yeah, yeah the, when the we were at in Chicago. Time. Yeah, me, me too. Yeah. That's the first time I've ever, I, and I remember walking into the, and seeing it, right? Like it's sort of at the yeah. the back of, a, and being like, oh, almost like, um, like, like the Mona Lisa, like, oh, I forgot yes, that this was here. Exactly. And then as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, right. It's here at Chicago. It's, it's Lapine and song, like everything. And, and I remember like being kind of overwhelmed standing in front of it. Um, it's an enormous, it's an enormous canvas, yeah. yep. an enormous canvas and, and very vibrant. Yep. Um, yeah, it really uh, does. It, it's all the things that they talk about in the show. It shimmers. There is a shimmering shimmers. quality to that painting that is remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very yeah. physical experience. It, it really kind of catches you in a, in a, in a particular way that, um, yeah, it's an amazing experience to see that thing in person. And if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, stop this podcast, Google it, and then come back and listen. Fly, fly to you, Chicago. Go to the Fly Institute. to Chicago. <laughs> you need to have an image of this picture in your mind for the yeah, show. It is kind um, of what the whole show's about. And, and George Surratt, not much known about him. He died when he was 31, so died as a very young man. But he revolutionized color and light, uh, two of the big words and themes in, uh, in it, with a kind of painting that he called, okay, I was practicing this before, uh, chromoluminarism. There you go. Chromoluminarism. How about that? Bingo. But... Uh, which critics later dubbed as uh, pointillism. Yeah. So what he did was rather than paint big strokes, heavy strokes with oil painting, he po- uh, dotted it on. Yep. <laughs> Using only another... only 11 colors, right? Like only kind of, you know, yes. red, red, blue, yellow, whatever the, I couldn't name them, but all the, the 11 colors of the spectrum. And then the idea was your eye would create, you know, you would have a spot of blue and a spot of red the eye creates violet. The eye, the eye can see those two things. And this actually becomes in some ways kind of the governing metaphor of the whole show, right? Yes. Putting, putting two things, I mean, putting it together, right? That's the kind of the famous kind of act two number. Putting two things together. And then what, what Sarah says to his mother is, you know, beauty is, arra- is arrangement, right? Like beauty is found yes. then in, what, in the, the, the artistic creation, putting the red and the blue together, the eye of the beholder creates the, the, the violet there. And that's where, that's the shift from pretty into beautiful is that moment yes. of seeing a unity 
that it, to a certain we might say is in the eye of the beholder. That is that is the the viewer that can experience beauty in something. And that I think is kind of what Surat's trying to get at, right? In some ways, like the experience of the painting is entirely in the eye of the viewer, not in what is, or not just in what is on the canvas. Right. So we're in late 19th century, 1859, 1891, died just before the turn of the century, yes. And the vibrancy that comes mm -hmm. And the, the extraordinary thing, I mean, I have thousands of reasons why I love Sunday in the Park with George. And while I'll be the first to admit that it's it's problematic in a whole lot of ways, uh, particularly the second act is kind of unsuccessful. I love it, but I can see why people go, what? But the what Sondheim does so subtly, um, or maybe it's not so subtle, it was to me at first, is he he replicates the painting method in his music right so um it's uh dot 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 uh there's even you know blue 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 you get that kind of yeah. leitmotif that runs runs through things so not only are they celebrating the art of this extraordinary painter and this one painting in which the characters in the scene are given personalities imaginatively by Lapine and Sondheim and sort of come alive. But the, the, the music itself actually right. replicates the art form that it is celebrating. And I think that's just an extraordinary achievement. Composition, tone, form, symmetry, balance, more red and a little more red blue 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 even even good bum, 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 bum. more red more blue more beer The form also, I mean, I, I, I was thinking about, you know, in some ways we're, we're entering into the Lapine period of Sondheim's collaboration. This is, will be his first of three collaborations with James Lapine. Um, and at least in Sunday and in Into the Woods, the, the problem of the second act is a thing, right? Both of these yes. are um, very successfully uh, done, almost entirely self-contained first acts that tell a cohesive story and then the audience goes away for intermission and comes back into something that, at, at least initially, for in both the, in both in Sunny in the Park with George and in the Woods, was experienced as 
weird, uncomfortable, discombobulating, right? Like, what is the second act doing? I mean, your, your point, right? Like, there's problems here. But that not that also doing a kind of a pointillistic approach to form, right? Like, laying yes. two very different colors next to each other. And the idea is that in the experience of the audience, those two things fuse and might create beauty. I, I think with and your experience, my experience too of Sunday is, yes, that is exactly what happens. Um, th- yes. This is not a... A cohesive. There's not a, a narrative through line necessarily between the first yes. act and the second act. They are two almost sort of entirely contained things, but seen together, they create a whole that shimmers that is greater than the sum of their parts. I love that. That's exactly that, and that was exactly my experience. And yeah. and not only is it, even though the second act is very uh, disruptive, discontinuous from the first, the music. There's songs replicated. Yes, there's right. there, there there's paired songs in in Act One, uh, paired with Act Two. We can talk about that. Mm-hmm. The characters, the um, the cast obviously is the same. The painter George's girlfriend in Act One. Dot, mm-hmm. and I always kind of want to say, get it, you know. Um, that's, yeah, that's not not an entirely subtle name to give to the uh, hello. Yeah, <laughs> dot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it. Like dots of. Pe- uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, it comes back as George's gra- uh, great grandmother in the grand- second grandmother. Act. Yeah, grandmother. I yeah. get uh, Marie. Uh, yeah. I get confused about who's who. Yeah, and so so even though there is this discontinuous thing, there is also uh, a, a direct artistic connection between yeah. the music, the actors, and and uh, and some of the plot points and. The main character in Act Two is George's George. grandson. Great, yeah, the original George Surratt's great grandson. I think that's that's what the we original, are. Original, yeah. There you go. Although there's there's Who a is all- slightly dodgy lineage there. He's not sure that he is, but we are we 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 believe, of course, that he is. Right? Yeah. Who is also an artist? Yes. And whereas Surratt was working in paint in a innovative way, grandson or great grandson is working with sort of computer generated images in a uh, chromalone. And now I understand why it's chromalone. It comes back to that word that I'm not even gonna try to say again, uh, that uh, thank God art, art historians, people into art speak decided to use pointillism Thank God for them. Thank God. In the 21st century, they would have chosen the more difficult word. They would I have, believe. Yeah. Well, and it would have been French. I mean, Surat's word wouldn't have been chromoluminarism, right? That's an English <laughs> word. It would have been something even weirder than that. So yeah, we we have that. To, we have art critics. To th- and I'm sure I, I would actually love to to find out from art critics, like how how well does this work if you know the art theory and criticism and history that's being discussed here. Do Sondheim and Lapine really know? Because my my sense, at least I, th- I think about the second act, that kind of great number where it's like the, that, you know, it's it's about the state of contemporary art, right? Like, and someone's putting the it, state of the that art. is the state of the art, and someone's putting it together is all about yeah. the, the tensions uh, you know, of sort of commercialism versus pure art. And some of that feels to me very much located in the context of the mid 80s. So that's one question I've got, right? Yes. In some ways, one of the problems of the second act, I think, is it's the most dated material in or certainly yes. the, the 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 electronic light thing that he creates. Um, I've seen productions of that that felt very much like a weird 80s thing. I've also seen productions of Sunny in the Park that do really interesting things in that moment that I think do update 
the the technology that second generation George is working with in ways that are very interesting. And my sense is that whole song about the state of contemporary art in America and maybe more wide, like that still, I think all works, but I would love to I hear um, people who know both kind of the 19th century context and the 20, 20th and 21st century contexts there talk about, you know, what, 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 what does an artist see when an actual visual artist see when he or she looks at Sunday in the Park with George? How, 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 because in some ways, at one level, Sunny in the Park with George is really about musicals, <laughs> right? Like it's a- Well, yeah. Or, it's or about, is it? Or is it? What is it about? It's about art making. I mean, yeah. Sondheim said, the major thing I wanted to do in this show was to enable anyone who is not an artist to understand what hard work art is. Yeah. yeah. And Lapine said, uh, quoted the New York Times, it's like make, making a painting. You go through the process of doing what you do. And finally, you just have to put it up there and hope others respond. The irony is you want it to look effortless and get that, but it is such hard work. Or as is sung in uh, Putting It Together, art isn't easy. Bit by bit, putting it together. Piece by piece, only way to make a work of art. Every moment makes a contribution, every little detail plays a part. Having just the vision's no solution, everything depends on execution. Putting it together, that's what counts. The board of the foundation is meeting next week. Ounce by ounce, putting it together. You'll come to lunch. Small amounts, adding up to make a work of art. First of all, you need a good foundation, otherwise it's risky from the start. Takes a little cocktail conversation, but without the proper preparation. Having just the vision's no solution. Everything depends on execution. The art of making art is putting it together, bit by bit. Oh, we haven't met Charles Redmond, County Museum of Texas. I wanted you to know we're in the process of giving out some sizable permission. Link by link, well, making the connections. Drink by drink, fixing and perfecting the design. Adding just a dab of politician, always knowing where to draw the line. Lining up the funds, but in addition, lining up a prominent commission. Otherwise, your perfect composition isn't going to get much exhibition. Art isn't easy. Every minor detail is a major decision. Have to keep things in scale. Have to hold to your vision. Every time I start to feel defensive, I remember lasers are expensive. What's a little cocktail conversation? If it's going to get you your foundation, leading to a prominent commission and an exhibition in addition. Art isn't easy. Trying to make connections. Who understands it? relations for the museum. Doctor by doctor, building up the image. Shot by shot, keeping at a distance doesn't pay. Still, if you remember your objective, not give all your privacy away. A little bit of hype can be effective, as long as you can keep it in perspective. After all, without some recognition, no one's going to give you a commission. Art isn't easy. Overnight, you're a trend. You're the right combination. Then the trend's at an end. You're suddenly last year's sensation. If you feel a sense of coalition, then you never really stand alone. If you want your work to reach fruition, what you need is a link with your tradition, and of course a prominent commission. Plus a little formal recognition, so that you can go on exhibit, so that your work can go on exhibition. And there's that, that great line in putting it together where 
he, he describes the whole artistic process and everything you have to do and, and ends with, so your work can be on exhibition. And then he repeats it. So your work, yeah, your work can be on ex- exhibition. And, you know, my, my husband, Thomas, is a textile artist. And so I live with uh, a very talented man and uh, walk with him. I observe. I don't get involved for reasons that anybody who lives with an artist would know. <laughs> um, I, I, I observe his artistic process and the, and I've often uh, equated it with the process that I go through writing a sermon, writing an address. Right. You, and for anybody who's not an artist or hasn't written a sermon or a public address, here, let me kind of abstract it for you. You think you know what you're gonna do and you kind of got a very clear gestalt uh, epiphany of it, right? Boom, it's all there. And then you start doing it and you realize you know nothing. Mm-hmm. This is my process anyway. I have to go to this deep self-doubt place. What am I saying? Can this be authentic? Do I really know anything? This is kind of even to the and to the point for me in my process. And I think uh, observing Thomas and his, I think it's similar. You go to, I have to go to, I know nothing. Yeah. And when I get to, and I call that the no space. (laughs) And when I get to the no space, then I can start building again. And then, then it doesn't work. And then you put it together. My point is about work. Yeah. It's not manual labor, obviously, but it is deeply, uh, deeply spiritual, uh, very creative and completely exhausting in yeah. my experience. Anyway. Yeah. Is that what you think? I mean, so let's, I think about finishing the hat, right? Kind of George's first, mm. this is, this is the first George Surratt, the 19th century George Surratt. It's kind of the moment where we, um, we first get to really, I, and I think it's Sunday the Park with George's first moment of beginning th- th- this project, right? Of, of Sondheim kind of, to a certain degree, I think in a very personal way, talking about what it is like to create art and the difficulty, right? The, the, the work of, um, of creating a piece of art. I think of, you know, mapping out a sky that he says, what you feel like, that's what you're talking about, planning a sky, right? Uh, white is how the show begins, right? Like a, an open right. canvas, the, the promise of that, also the threat of that, right? Like, as you said, you have a sense of what you wanna do, but then when you actually start, you know, getting into it, it is, a, it is mostly a process of frustration. Finishing the hat. How you have to finish the hat. How you watch the rest of the world from a window While you finish the hat Mapping out a sky What you feel like planning the sky What you feel when voices that come through the window Go until they distance and die Until there's nothing but sky And how you're always turning back to the grass or the stick or the dog or the light how the kind of woman willing to wait not the kind that you want to find waiting to return you to the night dizzy from the height coming from the height studying the hat entering the world of the hat 
reaching through the world of the hat like a window back to this one from that studying a face stepping back to look at the face leaves a little space in the way like a window but to see it's the only way to see and when the woman Always standing by, mapping out the sky, finishing a hat, starting on a hat, finishing a hat. Look, I made a hat. Where there never was a hat. Having a sense of what can be, but always the sense of like, ah, oh, what I'm doing isn't is not capturing what what I think can be. So there is this kind of gap between um, the what, what I'm what I'm hoping to achieve and and my own, as you say, my own kind of visceral experience of uh, of limitation of the no place. Right? It's not yes. it's not coming together. That frustration, and yet somehow we know that it's that frustration that catalyzes the like until you've struggled. I mean, I, I want to say, like, I think this is like, is this like a version of the Paschal mystery until you've uh, gone through the death interesting. of yeah. um, the death of the vision, the death of your own ability. Uh, you know, that I think about Don music on Sesame Street, right? Like over and over, just like crashing his head down on the piano. I'll never get it. Never, never, never. Like that's, <laughs> it's such a cliche, but at yeah. one level, like, isn't that what art is? An experience so. of of death and of fallibility and of uh, you know and somehow out of that um, that horrible that horrible place comes I think that and that I guess in one way of saying this is this is the difference between something that's pretty and something that's beautiful which is somehow yes. the suffering of the artist is a piece of what makes I don't maybe this is maybe this is going down a, no that, I think you're that sacred there violence thing. Um, but I think I think mm. that at least that's what I think the piece is saying, right? Studying the park with George is in some ways asking us to think about what is the role of suffering in the creation of art, and then how how is that suffering then experienced not just by the artist but by the people around the artist, right? In some ways, Dot then becomes yes. one of the avatars there. Everybody around George is to a certain degree suffering because of George. So the the piece is actually, in my sense, is is very um, clear eyed. I don't, I don't want to say balanced, but honest, I guess, about the cost. Yes. The cost of being an artist, yes. the cost of the people. I mean, so finishing the hat, I think, is sort of famously about the creative process. That's usually the way that I read it. But when I went, when I went back and listened to it, there again, right, actually finishing the hat is about Dot. It's about George wrestling with the woman that you, the woman that you want to be waiting for you is uh, not the kind, you know, the, the, the woman that will be easy to, uh, the woman who will support what you're able to do is not actually the one you want. Dot is the one I want, but she, by virtue of who she is, wants more of me than I am ever going to be able to give her. She, at a certain level, at that level, it's like, you know, what Dot will later say when she leaves George, we do not belong together, which becomes the refrain that they repeat over and over kind of through their relationship, right? And at one level, she's right. They do not belong together. I cannot divide my feelings up as neatly as you. And I am not hiding behind my canvas. I am living in it. But you 
careful with yourself. I care for this painting. You will be in this I painting. I have something you can use. I have thought you would destroy. Because I understand that I left that and I There's leaving. nothing I can say, is there? Yes, George, there is. You could tell me not to go. Say it to me. Tell me not to go. Tell me that you're hurt. Tell me you're relieved. Tell me that you're bored. Anything. But don't assume I know. Tell me what you feel. What I feel. You know exactly how I feel. Why do you insist you must hear the words when you know I cannot give you words? Not the ones you need. There's nothing to say. I cannot be what you want. What do you want, I needed George? you and you left. There was no room you for me. You will not accept who I am. I am what I do, which you knew, which you always knew, which I thought you were a part of. No, you are complete, George. You are your own. We do not belong together. You are complete, George. You are alone. They're mismatched in so many in so many ways. Dot finds herself so frustrated by George's, you know, kind of single-minded fixation on his art. He's so frustrated that he can't express to her all the things that she means to him because I think part of the way that he expresses that is by painting her, right? Like he he looks at her, he he creates art inspired by her. But what she's looking for is somebody to, you know, hold her. Tell me that what you, you know, that's what she says to George. Like, tell, don't assume that I know. Tell me what you feel. And he says, you know, I can't, I can't give you words. I can give you painting. I can give you art. I can give you the seeing something. Um, but in that sense, they really are mismatched. So the, you know, I, I, a long way of saying um, the cost to those around an artist is yeah. so, I don't know, it's so, that in some ways, I think that's what the, at one level, at, at the level of character, I think that's what the show is about. It's about two people who really do not belong together. And yet then at the end, I mean, you're again, right? Two dots 
one literally yes. literally named Dot, the other one named George. <laughs> um, and they are they are different, they are separate. And for most of the show, they are at odds with one another. And yet somehow at the end, I think we are invited to take a step back then as we as we do in front of, you know, the, of the painting that Surratt created. And, and they get fused, they become violet, if you like, red and blue, get fused in the viewer's eye to become, so they actually do belong together. And as she says, as they, as they say at the end of it, the, they will always belong together. Always belong together, yeah. Yeah, so the arc of the, of the show is, it begins with him painting the painting. Yeah. And the song Sunday, when you're talking about how others don't realize how painful the creative process is, that's my words. Yeah. But in that first painting, as people, at least in the imagination of the show, uh, the characters are actually kind of posing, as it were, for Surratt, the actor playing George, to, to paint them. And they begin to talk about how awkward a situation they're in and that sort of stuff. And you know the painting, of course. And, and this is all done magically and beautifully in good productions on the stage. It's, they've, they've worked out scenery and levels and so forth uh, so, that, so that you get all that. And by the end of the first act, uh, the actors all come on and, and in costume, in period costume, obviously, and make the painting yeah. come alive before your eyes, which is absolutely magic and uh, spine tingling, ting tingling, and so forth. And and, and accompanied, second, yeah. Well, I was just yeah. saying, and accompanied by then the that the first time we hear the well, the Sunday anthem, right? Is is when they all right. in some ways it's the it's the hymn that they sing in response yes. to that moment, as you say, that galvanizing visual moment when all of a sudden, all of these different actors who have been basically fighting with one, you know, it's like all of this is a little situations of domestic chaos that then in one moment, they kind of come together into the painting, right? They become the painting. And it's like, yeah, as you say, right? It sends a chill up the audience's spine. And then they all, they sing for the first, I think for the first time in the show, they sing in harmony, first in unison, yes. then in harmony. And they sing, you know, what you, I think maybe, maybe <laughs> we, we said we didn't want to quite get to it yet, but um, maybe this is the moment to talk about the Sunday anthem and how that functions. Because I, I, I think you and I would both say, I think we said this before, that's a hymn. Right? It is a hymn. That's a hymn. It's absolutely a hymn.
And Sondheim doesn't particularly like having big casts sing together. Nope, he doesn't um, do big group numbers. Uh-uh. Doesn't do big group numbers. But I hear in this, just because we're getting to the end of our Sondheim series, I hear the influence of Leonard Bernstein here yeah, and Garden Grove. Make our Garden Grove. That's exactly what I hear yeah, too. It's yeah, absolutely there. But not. It, it's not a lift. It's not a steal. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's something new. And when you listen to it over and over again, as I have, you begin to realize the leitmotifs that have been introduced all the way through the first act, which sound kind of dissonant and kind of crazy, find a resolution and a harmony. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the overwhelming experience of seeing a painting come to life with real actors in real time standing exactly in the right places to replicate the canvas, Mm -hmm. singing this extraordinary song. Yeah. And so what is like, so it's interesting to me that that the, the, the chorus and so much, I mean, like it's Sunday, right? So like, let's think of for a second about what, I mean, so here, I guess we're kind of bridging a little bit into like theologically what's, what's happening here, right? What is, what is that hymn about? Because they keep saying Sunday, uh, by the green, purple, yellow, red, Sunday. It's it's the day of rest. It's the day of resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what is it? And, well, I think, you know, just to, to tip our hats to sec- secular humanists, uh, Sunday, the day off. Yeah. It's a picnic day. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would imagine that if you and I uh, had the opportunity to talk to Sondheim and said, is there any religious significance to Sunday? He, he'd probably tell us to bugger off. Uh, yeah, probably. No, it, it's a day when you go down to the to the park yep. and you have a picnic and you it's the late 19th century. So you dress up. Yeah. Um, well, and however. And- the Le, Le Grand Jatte was a park for lower classes. And I think that's significant, yes. right? And because a lot of the people that we see, you know, it's like it's the masters and their servants. So there's like there's a lot of class stuff happening among the characters in the painting. But I think it, you know, it's significant to think about, you know, for for if the 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 day off song is people who are servants who have one day off. This is that's where yes. they go to find their moment of and I, I think about what Franz says to Frida, you know, work is what you do for others, my dear. Art is what you do for yourself which I think is another kind of interesting layer into this question of 
art and work, right? So for the, for the working class people, it's like, I wish I could be an artist. I spend my whole life working. My work is actually not the thing. It's not the thing that brings me enjoy. It's, you know, it's literally what gives me my paycheck. There's no particular meaning there. Art though, is what I think for those characters, that's what Sunday represents. It's Yes. Uh, being in a kind of a pure way, being at rest, being in nature, um, and to, to a certain degree, like them being a part of the beauty of the world, being immortalized on this canvas. Um, so for, for the lower class characters, Sunday means the day where I can be a human being. Would you like some more grass? For life on a garbage skull, only 40 feet long from stern to prow, and a crackpot in the bow. Wow, rough! The planks are rough, and the wind is rough, and the master's drunk and mean and gruff, gruff! With the fish and scum and planks and ballast, the nose gets numb and the paws get callous. And with splinters in your ass, you look forward to the grass on Sunday. Ah, the day of The grass needs to be thicker, perhaps a few weeds, and some ants, if you would. I love fresh ants. Roaming around on Sunday, poking among the roots and rocks, nose to the ground on Sunday, studying all the shoes and socks, everything's worth it Sunday, the day off. Bits of pastry, piece of chicken, here's a handkerchief that somebody was sick in, there's a thistle, that's a shallot, that's a dripping from the loony with the palate. Like any other, listening to her snap and a drone. 
Still, Sunday with someone's dotty mother is better than Sunday with your own. Mothers may drone, mothers may whine, tending to his though is perfectly fine. It pays for the nurse that is tending to mine on Sunday. My day off. You know, Franz, I believe that artist is drawing us. Who? Monsieur's friend. Monsieur would never think to draw us. We are only people he looks down upon. Second bottle. Ah, she looks for me. He is bursting to go. Near the fountain. I could let him. How to manage it? No. I should have been an artist. I was never intended for work. Artists work, Franz. I believe they work very hard. Work? We work. We serve their food. We carve their meat. We tend to their house. We polish their silverware. The food we serve, we also eat. For them we rush, wash and brush, wipe and wax. Franz, relax. While he creates, we scrape their plates. Dust there can be canaks, hundreds to the shelf. Work is what you do for others, Liebchen. Art is what you do for yourself. For George, you know, and for some of the other, some of the other kind of, you know, up middle, middle class to upper class characters, it's like that's the day when, um, you know, that's that, that's the sacramentalization of their work. Right. That's that's how they're 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 working. You know, they 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 they're in the place where there's the tension between I am doing something for a paycheck, but I am doing it because it is the thing that brings me alive. I think that's that's one way to kind of understand putting it together. Right. Like I art isn't easy. Um, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of small talk. There's a lot of cocktail conversations, but I'm doing this because creating something new is the thing that brings me alive. So my art and my work are in some ways mapped onto one another. So for George, I think Sunday is seeing seeing all of that in an instant, right? This is um, not the tension between art and commerce. It's the unified, it's harmony, it's it's order, it's, uh, you know, all the transition, balance, all of those words that become his through line of what he's trying to do in the creation of his art. Um, right. Which I, I, I want to say, like, I think that's sacrament, right? Like, that's another word for what we're seeing. Sacrament. I was hearing Sabbath if I was looking for a theological mm, okay, word. Yeah. The the notion both of rest um, and of wholeness with creation and yeah. peace. I shalom, mean, even though yeah. in uh, shalom, yes, Sabbath, shalom, uh, and uh, even though I don't think it's it it's intentionally theological, I don't think uh, Christians um, can hear. Sunday sung repeatedly without having, for those of us for whom liturgy and church is generally a good experience, very positive associations. Or folks for whom it isn't, maybe it's just horrible to hear that word, uh, the word Sunday sung over and over again. <laughs> it's like, what's, what's that? What's the hymn? It's like an endless Sabbath day. I think that's Jerusalem. I know. Gold, Can you imagine which anything I know, worse? Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh God, an endless Sabbath day. Sun. Yeah. But there again, right? I mean, maybe this is kind of the point for you and me. Sunday is our work, you know, like, right. it's, um, yeah. I, th I think that's why I keep returning to Franz's line. Work is what you do for others, my dear. Art is what you do for yourself. So, I mean, like I've had to do a lot of work to find um, 
and actually, you know, Sunday is not my day of rest. I'm, that's probably, that was probably true for you right. when you were uh, dean of right. the cathedral, right? Like it, it was a day right. of deep vocational satisfaction often, right? Yes. It's it's the day where I, I think I come most fully alive, but me there's too. a piece I of me that. the yep. whole time. I'm always aware that like, yeah, I'm also being paid to do this. So yeah. at yeah. what level is that a kind of glorified prostitution? I mean, I think that's one of the things that clergy think about, right? Like I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting paid to love people or at least be in this sort of role where symbolically what I'm providing is love and care and meaning and, you know, and beauty and all those sorts of things. It's a weird thing when that is the thing that is also tied to your paycheck. I think that's what George is struggling with here. In some ways, it's very tempting to, you know, go where Franz goes, right? Like, I don't want people to pay me for this thing because it's too important to me. And if I attach it to money, I, I lose something in the exchange. And it's one of the great, I think, moments of transition for Sunday. So you end the first act, the tableau is there, this soaring anthem, this hymn, this beautiful piece called Sunday, curtain comes down, audience looks at each other and, oh my God, wasn't that extraordinary? And come back, pull up the, the drape, and there we are again, but now everybody, the, the song is called It's Hot Up Here, right? Mm. It's um, hot and, and it's monotonous, yeah. And it's monotonous. And they bitch and moan about how horrible it is. And I love that transition from yep. the beauty of the end of the first act into bitching and moaning and yeah, it's happily uh, ever after, right? It's, yeah. it's happily ever after. It's exactly this is, this what is what that is. looks like. This is what it's like to be uh, to be memorialized in this particular way. So you're stuck on that canvas for all of creation. And like, and the, for the people in that painting, it's like, oh, this is horrible. You know, here I am still holding this, holding this parasol for all of eternity. And I, you know, it's really uncomfortable. So there is something, I think, yeah, very honest about that, right? Like, here's the other side of the beauty, which is, oh my God, like, okay, some of it is just like pedestrian work. It's what do you do on Monday morning, right? Like what, what, what happens to your beautiful transcendent Sunday morning, Sunday experience then on the first day of the work week? Um, I think that's what, yeah. And so that then, as you say, becomes a transition to that second act, which is in, in many ways kind of like into the woods, um, pulling apart that beautiful unity that existed and asking us to kind of ask some deeper questions about it, I suppose. It's hot up here. Hot and it's monotonous. I want my glasses. This is not my good profile. Nobody can even see my profile. I hate this dress. The soldiers have forgotten us. The boatman schwitzes. I am completely out of proportion. These helmets weigh a lot on us. This tree is blocking my view. I can't see anything. Why are they complaining? It could have been raining. I hate these people. It's, it's hot, hot up here. A lot up here. It's hot up here. Sitting in the shade. 
I trust my cigar is not bothering you. Unfortunately, it never goes out. And in, in putting it together, which we've talked about a few times now, I think we have Sondheim at his poetic best yeah. in a lot of ways. He's writing extraordinary poetry and putting it to music yeah. and building within a, 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 a narrative arc, a story here. And I think, I mean, I, I know he always um, complains or when people want to autobiographicalize uh, his shows, but I think both he and Lapine here are getting out some of their own angst about what it's like when you make art and that is your profession, that's your work. Um, yeah, there's uh, a reason why so many of the lines from Setting the Park with George Broadly, but more narrowly in the song, putting it together, have gotten attached to Sondheim's biographies. I mean, his own sort of two-part Talmudic um, meditation on his own lyrics. When One is called Finishing the Hat and one is called Putting It Together. I mean, there's a reason why this show has become the container, I think, of so much of the way that we think about this man as an artist. I, and I think to your point, right? Yeah, we don't want to over-psychologize this. And yet, how can this not be an artist at the top of his game, meditating on, and to a certain degree, I think, struggling then with how do I make something new? How do I yeah. move on? Um, and so much of putting it together, I, one of the lines that keeps, you know, uh, he's, oh, what is it, you know, uh, I don't remember, original thinker or whatever, he's so revolutionary. And they always say, well, was. Right. And, and yes. that to me yes. sounds like the man who has just had a notorious flop with Merrily, we roll along, um, who has yeah. achieved great heights and is, is, is kind of a legend on Broadway and yet is also really struggling kind of in mid career. Right. Like I want to do something. I want to do something new, something that is it will break me through. How do I break through um, in that sense? I mean, that's actually, I think, as I read it, what motivated James Lapine to write his most recent book. Uh, in the, you know, so James Lapine has just come out with a, uh, this is, I think, the 40th anniversary of Sunday in the Park with George. Um, so he wrote a kind of an oral history, basically, going back to interview all the people who had been involved. But he talks at the beginning of the book around seeing a production of Sunday in the Park with George in like 20s, I think it was the most recent Broadway revival, 2017 or 18, standing in the back of the theater and being kind of marveled. He said, you know, we were writing um, a kind of, I'm putting words in his mouth, but like we were writing, we didn't know what we were doing 40 years yes. ago in a way that now he's like, who, who were we to be able to say this stuff? My sense is the, the way that, that that lands for him in in the present moment is so has so much meaning in a way that he was yeah. not aware of 40 years earlier. Um, so this really interesting meditation on how could we have known what we were doing? Because we wrote ourselves this kind of prophecy about what it was gonna mean to grow up in the theater, to grow and change and, and struggle with these questions. And to a certain degree, it's like, yes, these are the perennial questions of any artist right how do you keep yeah. I mean and your, to your point like I, I think about this with certain like how do you how do you avoid recreating yourself uh relying on your gimmicks I mean when you have to get into a certain into a pulpit and preach every Sunday how do you come up with something that's new and fresh with texts that have been preached for thousands of years it's like if I have to preach on the prodigal son one more time I am going to pull my <laughs> oh, hair out I have nothing new to say but, about this please text. do I love well, your take oh my on God. prodigal son I hope but you I, get another one but I, yeah. I'm sure that's why you resonate with this stuff though right it's like how Absolutely. do you get just get up and do it every every week yeah. Um, and I think that's what Sondheim and Lapine are doing. And so then you get there, you know, 40 years later, you get their meditation on, we had, to a certain degree, we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, these are lines that have taken on a life of their own. And I think Lapine's sense is like, I, I'm not even sure that I'm responsible for that stuff. I don't know what I was channeling. Isn't that something? Yeah. It's so interesting. 
um, to watch yeah. these guys kind of looking back on that moment where they were 40 years ago, where they are now in a show that is all about looking back, looking forward. And then I may, and this is where I kind of want to land a, a little bit theologically, you know, what Dot says to George II, when he's like, you know, what did, you know, what did, you know, she said, I learned so much. I learned so much from George. And he said, what do you learn? And she's like, well, he concentration. Like, I wish, and she said, I, I'm putting a little bit, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, I thought that just meant staring really fixedly at something. She's like, no, it means being present in the moment. Yes. Right. And I think what Dot is describing is something like contemplative prayer. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a different version of that, but in some ways I think Sunday in the park with George is really about art as spiritual practice, we might say, cultivating the power of paying attention in a deeply, I want to say, contemplative way. Um, well, yeah, and in, absolutely, and in, in Move On, which I think is the 11 o'clock number, yeah. um, uh, at the, near the end of the second act, she says, uh, look at all the things you've done for me, opened up my, this is your point of contemplative prayer, yeah. opened up my eyes, taught me how to see, notice every tree, understand the light, concentrate on now. Yeah. And then I want to move on. I want to explore the light. I want to know how to get through, through to something new, something of my own. Look at what you want, not at where you are, not at what you'll be. Look at all the things you've done for me. Opened up my eyes, taught me how to see. That's contemplative prayer, isn't it? Yeah, Notice it is. the moment. Yep. Every, every, every religious tradition has some way of teaching this, right? It's all yes. about the breath, the cushion, right? It's the now. I think about like Thich Nhat Hanh. I mean, Buddhism has a whole, you know, kind of way of thinking about this, but Christianity does too. I think we're, we're now in the process of kind of just finding our own kind of wisdom tradition, which is really about this moment, right? How do I just learn how to be in this moment? 
uh, notice everything. Uh, and that's, that's often the, the, the practice bit of it, I think is, it's about cultivating attention. It's about, I think, you know, think about Mary Oliver, right? You know, it's like, I don't know what prayer is, um, but what, <laughs> the line just got out of my head, but yeah. it's like, I know how to, I know how to pay attention. I know how to pay yes. attention. Um, what Episcopal yes. priest hasn't used that line in a sermon. Like it's almost become our gimmick. Um, but there's yeah. something yeah. so true to me about um, the creative process, but I don't think just the creative. I mean, in some ways, like what Dodd is saying is my creative process was being George's model, right? Like I too have yes. created art. I'm a part of art. I never, you know, it's yes. like, I never, I don't know how to paint. I don't know how, to, she's not even really literate. A big kind of one of Dot's through lines is like learning how to read, right? And then George discovers her kind of her exercise book. That's where she's recorded this stuff. She too is an artist. Um, each of us, I think, have the potential to be an artist in our lives. Yes. And, and I think what the piece is saying is that actually starts not with any sort of talent. It starts by cultivating the art of paying attention. That's spiritual practice. Um, that's, that's, that's all meditation practice. is. Yeah. And the song just soars about moving on. So not only is contemplative practice, it seems to me, calling us to root ourselves in the moment and to be more aware of things, but also not to stay where you are. I mean, my... Mm-hmm. Seminary professor, uh, Harvey Guthrie, I was there in the late 70s, Harvey Guthrie, his memories of blessing, used to say, it's okay to be where you're at. It's okay to be who you are. And you don't have to stay there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this notion of affirming like the our identities, each of us, beloved children of God, but we don't have to get stuck in identity or even in identity politics, there's always a, a future to to look at, uh, yeah. to keep moving on, to yeah. to, to keep growing, uh, to keep change, to be open, I guess, uh, to the winds of the spirit blowing in its own way, doing with us what the spirit will, uh, mm-hmm. being open to, to to being changed and transformed, and not staying fixed. I think that's part of the artist's vision as well. It's yeah. one of the things that makes art so difficult is, um, you know, if Thomas is doing something with textiles, if George Surratt is painting a painting, it's stuck there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yet it, it changes as each person beholds it because yeah. the the viewer brings something to it. Similarly, right. sermons, you know, yeah. um, we do what we do in pulpits, at ambos, uh, whatever. And and people have a whole other experience. Uh, yeah. I think I've, I may have mentioned this before in the podcast, but I did a preaching workshop uh, a couple of times. Uh, and I mentioned this phenomenon, say, you know, years after I've, I've, I've preached a sermon, someone will come up to me and will say to me, uh, I'll always remember that sermon you preached on such such Sunday and you said this and then they say something and they said, and it changed my life. Mm-hmm. And the extraordinary thing and every preacher gets this. Yep. I never said you that. You never said you, and you can never go back said and that. check the text. Yep. I've gone back and checked and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. That's the, that's the amazing. Matter. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. They heard it. Um, similarly, people can look at a painting, can look at a piece of art, can listen to a piece of music and get some, and maybe just to your point of James Lapine's reflections, yeah. we didn't know what we were doing. Right, yeah. And, and to a certain degree, thank God they didn't. I mean, thank God that we, yeah. we don't know when we're writing the sermon. We don't, even when we're, right? It's like, um, yeah, I, I, my, my experience as a preacher is the same, right? Like I have learned to be so humbled and honored by the fact that as soon as those words come out of my mouth, I have, I mean, I am 
I don't know what's going to happen. And like, thank God that's the case. Also, it's a weirdly discombobulating experience, right? Like it, I, you, you do sort of yes. feel like you're, um, I mean, being betrayed in a certain kind of way, you know? And, and I, I think that's a piece of what George is wrestling with too, right? It's like, thank God I'm not, resp- the beauty comes as soon as that thing is hanging. And, and, and if nobody sees it, right? I, I, that's, in, that's in putting it together, right? If nobody sees it, it's as good as dead. It, it requires a viewer, a congregation, an audience in order for, and this is all relational work. It has to be relational. And yet what a weird position to put the artist in because you, you do then become a weird kind of uh, a slave to the spirit uh, yes. in ways that I think are very discomforting, uncomfortable, yeah. So, you, I mean, yeah. And, and that's where I think we, then you, you, you do have to find ways to, so what, what, what will this mean for me? Right. As, as an artist. Right. And I think that's a, a piece of what he's kind of wrestling with thought. Right. Like, yeah, I can keep creating this thing, but like what's in it for what, what about this feeds me? What do I need to move on? Um, and that's where yeah. she, you know, and that's where she kind of comes in with, you know, it's her great, you know, stop worrying whether your vision is, is new, let others make that decision. They usually do. You just keep going like never settle. And I think that's kind of to our early point around kind of the role of suffering there, right? It, that, that may be the, the cost of doing business, right? Um, that you, you never, you're never satisfied. You can't possibly be satisfied. Um, to a certain degree, you've made your peace with the fact that the work will never satisfy you. You know, it can't because the minute it satisfies you, you're dead. Um, but yes. what, a, what a weird way to live where you're always frustrated by what you weren't able to frustrated. do. And you always have to return to the words that both begin and end the show um, as an artist. Order, design, tension, composition, balance, light, harmony. Yeah. Um, so even though it is this wild, you don't know where the art's going to take you. Um, you don't know how, what the viewer is going to have. Uh, as an artist or as a preacher, there's that kind of narrowing down and, okay, I need an order. And I, I mean, I, my mind, and I don't know though yours, maybe it does. I often know a sermon in its shape yeah, before I know parts. it in its yeah. words, right? Yep. Yep. It's got a, there's, I know what an order is. I mm-hmm. kind of have an art. You've got right? a sense of the form first, and then you kind of fill in the, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is, in that yeah. sense, it is like painting a painting, a painting isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, You have a sense of kind of what the, you map out the sky and then you start doing the pointillism, right? Blue, 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 red, 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 red. That, that, that tension between the universal and the particular feels to me, that feels so familiar as somebody who writes sermons. Yeah. That is my experience. You have a sense of where this is going. You have a sense of kind of the, 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 the tone, the feeling, the kind, but then the work of it is in that, you know, it's, it's finishing the hat. And then, as he says at the end of finishing the hat, right, you, you've created, I'm, I'm going to get emotional here, you, you see the hat that you've created where there never was a hat before. And that yeah. is, you know, it's like, and that's, that's the moment in the study, right? That's where the spirit comes yes. upon you. It's like, oh, to a certain degree, like, whatever I preach tomorrow from the pulpit is incidental. Like, I mean, you know, for me, it's like that moment of, and then, and then, to, then to be able to kind of be in, in the moment giving giving voice to something in the room and how powerful it is when you've created a hat where there never was a hat before i mean what a gift and what a a, gift what a fucked up thing to give your life to i know and so the extraordinary words the last last words that are spoken uh in sunday in the park with george by george uh are these white a blank page of canvas his favorite, so many possibilities. Now, 
I know what it's like to face a white blank page <laughs> as a preacher, as a writer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying, right? For, for a painter to look at a canvas with nothing on it, terrifying. And yet that, that moment, that uh, the, the encounter with the blank canvas, uh, whether it's a piece of paper or a, a blob of clay, or uh, if you're a, a musician, score paper, right? Uh, with musical score on it. So many possibilities. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, and so I go back always then to in the beginning, right? All right. To Genesis. Yeah. That's where I was going to, to right? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah. Which, which is in, was without form and void, and void and darkness was over the face of the earth. Yeah. Well, or, or the, the alternate kind of the more Hebrew waves in the beginning when there was, right? So that, that, that in, in the, I think in the, the Hebrew understanding of that text, it's that it's not that there's nothing, but as you say, there is, um, there is, Oh, there is a canvas, you know, like there's, there's yeah. chaos, right? So in, in, I think the Hebrew understanding of creation is its order out. It's actually exactly what's happening in Sunday in the Park with George. It's creating, it's total chaos. And then God, the, the kind of is the ordering function. Then. And that's, George says, that's where beauty comes from, right? It's in yes. the, it's in the ordering of the disparate elements, bringing order and harmony and all of these things to it. And then there's that moment, that crystallizing moment where everything just falls into place. Right. That's the, that's the magic. That's a creative. And then the response, right? Is that him Sunday? Is that uh, this him? Soaring, this soaring, like, I mean, I, I, what hymn of praise to the creative act, to the creator, the creator self, um, to, you know, I don't even think you have to have a theological framework to be moved by that, that moment. How, how amazing it is that human beings can do this thing. Um, yeah. God, what a, yeah, what a, what a moment to lift up your, lift up your voices in song. Um, just out of wonder and awe. And that's, I think, why that, why that number works so beautifully. It is just pure hymnody. It's amongst Stephen Sondheim's many most, most beautiful, beautiful melodies yeah. for me. And I think yeah, it's why I, I love Sunday. This, yeah. is, this is the sine qua non. Yeah. So much love in his words, forever with his colors. How George looks. He can look forever. What does he see? His eyes, so dark.
I, I don't think I've ever seen, I've not seen a ton of productions during the park, three or four, maybe every time I hear that. And, and now, you know, of course that anthem is so associated with Sondheim and, you know, kind of everything that he represents. I mean, I think it's interesting, right. That like sending the park with George, I think at least for theater artists and maybe not just is kind of like, that's the, that's the sacred text. If you uh, understand so Sondheim nice. as your guru, as your wisdom teacher, probably Sunday in the Park with George is where you start. I mean, I, I, your experience is so telling, right? Like that was the moment where I was aware I was in the presence of a prophet, right? Someone who, I think about the godly play language, right? Prophets are people who come so close to God and God comes so close to them that they know what is most important, that's Stephen Sondheim. I think that's what's happening in this piece. It's a it's a kind of a prophecy um, about the creative act, and it, yeah, at that level, I mean, God, what a what a sacred text. Um, it's a sacred text. Yeah, it really is. So really many is. possibilities. So many possibilities. Until next time. Until next time. Into the woods. Okay. Into right. the woods. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. The Gospel of Musical Theater is a production of Trinity Episcopal Cathedral in Portland, Oregon. Join Peter and Nathan every other Friday right here in your podcast feed and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Gospel of MT. Learn more and support us at trinity-episcopal.org slash podcasts. See you next time.